Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Men Talk podcast, where men talk about miscarriage, infant loss, stillbirth, and infertility. Today's guest is a very exciting guest. His name is Chris Woodfield. He's out in the UK. He's the founder of an organization called Miscarriage for Men. So without further ado, Chris, feel free to introduce yourself and give us a little background, your personal story, and a little bit about your organization, and, and we'll go from there. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, thank you very much for having us on. Excited to be here. I know it's been a, a long time in the planning. <laughs> it just took a little bit longer to get there, but here we are. So yeah, so my name's Chris Whitfield. Um, I'm, I'm 34 years old and I'm in, the, I'm in Newcastle in England. And uh, my backstory is, is back in February last year, uh, myself and my wife went through a miscarriage at 16 weeks. Um, it was a tough time. There's never a nice time to go through a miscarriage, but when you go through a miscarriage in a pandemic, everything seems to be on top of you. Of course, obviously the biggest challenges that we faced was, you know, I wasn't allowed in the medical room while she was, uh, when my wife was being told that she was going through the miscarriage. Um, you know, she, so she had to deal with that by herself, which was heartbreaking in itself. Um, and while we were going through this, I very quickly realized that there's limit, there was limited help out there for guys. There is stuff out there, but it's buried in the depths of Google. And once you know, you, you know, you know yourself, once you go on Google, you end up down a rabbit hole and, you know, you end up looking at stuff that really doesn't help you. But um, yeah, I basically started the miscarriage for men on the back of that. Um, I wanted to be able to have a peer to peer platform, which allowed guys to come online and speak to us and uh, leave their story if they wished in the forum to help other guys, how they dealt with it, you know, and basically be a self-help platform. Um, and, we yeah we very quickly took off overnight um i was surprised with the response that we got uh, i launched on the on the 7th of march so pretty much 4 weeks after we went through the miscarriage i launched the website while it was fresh in my mind and it gave me it gave me the opportunity to put my ideas and thoughts down on paper and i wanted to let people know you know it is all right to be vulnerable it's all right to be upset it's all right to be angry at the situation that you're in but I also wanted to know, let people know that there was the opportunity for people to help you get through this and to offer advice. And that was kind of one of the things that I felt that I lacked at that time. And the good thing about it was, was that the response that we got from the, the initial launch showed how much that a platform like this was needed. I mean, I launched it on my LinkedIn page and obviously I've got quite a few contacts on LinkedIn due to the, the nature of my, my full-time job. And I thought, you know what it is? This is the ideal opportunity to show people, yes, it's a you know, yes, it's a business site, but at the same time, it was an opportunity for me to show people that you can be vulnerable in a workspace where you normally wouldn't see it. And that was what it was all about. And I launched it. I, I put a message on about a week before we were due to launch. Um, when I put that initial message on overnight in 24 hours, we got over 10,000 likes and comments on the post. Um, and I was just astounded. I was just like, wow. I was like, this shows you how much that this kind of platform has been needed. Um we fast forward, you know, a week to the launch of the website. By that point, we'd had nearly 80,000 likes and comments and the initial post had been seen about 1.4 million times. Uh, fast forward to where we are a day, a year later, um, that initial post has had uh, nearly 100,000 likes and comments and has been seen 3.2 million times, uh, which astounds me, you know, uh, that, that many people have seen that original post. Um, we've had uh, over 100,000 visitors to the website in year one. 
And uh, we've helped over 200 people get the, the help and uh, support that they need through, through various different charities and obviously reaching out to ourselves. Um, we've got a close working relationship with a lot of local charities and some of the bigger organizations as well who we're going to be doing more work with in the coming weeks and months ahead. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of it's kind of going from strength to strength, which in one sense is a horrible thing to say, but at the same time, it proves that people are, are using our valuable sources and that's what we're here for. Isn't it powerful how going through a miscarriage and realizing there really is more out there that needs to be done, how that struggle turned into such an opportunity really to help others through it. Like it completely made us stronger. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. And that was the big thing for me was, was that I, I couldn't picture myself being somebody else's shoes going through the same thing that I'd just been through. I knew what I'd been through and you never think miscarriage is going to happen to you until it actually happens. And I got to that point where I thought, do you know what it is? I need to do something about this now because there's too many people that will be out there that will be feeling exactly the same way that I currently feel. And they need to know that they've got someone who they can turn to, a platform that they can turn to and get the help that they need. And yes, we're not professionals. You know, we're a group of guys just with lived in experience. And, you know, we come from a a completely different uh, set of backgrounds. And we've all been through different types of miscarriage or stillbirth. And, you know, we've got quite a, a diverse um, team there now ready to help and deal with people uh, who need that, who need that help and support, or maybe just a, you know, just a pointer in the right direction. What is that support that you're providing in the UK? So for anyone who's experienced a miscarriage or stillbirth, what, what are you offering to, to those who need it? Basically for us, we just, we reach out an arm and put an arm around the shoulder. That's what we, that's what we're here for. You know, we want them to know that they don't have to suffer in silence. They don't have to be the only people involved in it. Um, you know, some of them are coming to us and asking us for advice in terms of how did you get through it? That's a difficult question when you get asked, how did you get through it? Because you always feel that you've never gotten through it. However, things do get easier as time goes on and it is easier to, to try and support that element. For me, you know, I, one of my big things was I started exercising. I wanted to. I wanted to use. I wanted to use the grief and the pain that I was going through in order to drive me further in exercising, and I found that that really helped. Headphones on, out for a run, you know, just trying to clear that mind. And of course, the big thing with that is 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 that it's very very difficult to clear the mind. And right at the start, when you're first going through it, it's one of them where you think, "I'm never going to be able to shift this. This is here for life now." And it is. You know, there will be certain there'll be certain elements of it and certain elements of grief that will throw that up where you're always going to think about it. And there'll be certain triggers and it'll come in fits and waves. And one of the things that we've discussed, you know, as a group is that, you know, you never truly get over it, but in time it does get easier. And of course, obviously the big thing for us is, is that um, we're here just to, to throw an arm out and say, guys, you know, we're here if you need to speak to us, even if you just want someone to tr- talk to and talk about how you're feeling right now. And for us to try and put some pointers in place for you. The other big thing is, is that because of the connections that we've made, we've now got that option to be able to pinpoint people to therapists, to counselors, to be able to put them in touch with charities. You know, if they need that next step where they feel that peer to peer support is not the way forward and they need some professional help we will actually make the contact on their behalf so if they don't feel comfortable enough talking to a charity we can we can say right okay look give us your details we'll quite happily take this on on your behalf and we'll put you in touch with the right people who you need to speak to and that's what it was all about you know it was all about people helping people and i think that's you know i think that's massive because it's one of them where when you go through this or you go through a stillbirth you feel like you've got no way to turn to i was basically i was basically handed a leaflet to say 
this is what you need to go and look at. And it basically told me to go to Google and have a look at a few different things. And I was just like, yeah, but that doesn't help me. You know, it doesn't give me the answers that I need. And it doesn't allow me to speak to the people that I want to speak to. I'm surprised you even got a pamphlet because a lot of times in the hospital, I've been told from various social workers that the focus is on the woman. So you go and you go to the emergency room, you're having a miscarriage, you get discharged and they don't, the social workers, the staff, the doctors, they don't even ask you, how are you doing? They always say the focus on the woman. So I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised that you, that you got a pamphlet saying, yeah, up. I never, I never, I never got asked how I was doing, but I literally just got handed a, handed a pamphlet just to say, yeah, if you need some help, have a look at these kind of things. And again, you know, it was basically pinpointing me to the places which I already knew about, the likes of the Miscarriage Association and things. Um, and it wasn't until I actually done my own research and then I found out that there was a lot of groups out there who, you know, have a similar support network in Facebook and stuff like that. But again, you search on Facebook and stuff, a lot of it's hidden. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that's kind of hidden. And, you know, whether that's to do with the taboo element of it or, or what, I really don't know. But um, and like for Google, for instance, you go on Google and you type it in and you have to look at 3000 pages before you find anything worth that you're actually looking for yes absolutely did you find that before you started miscarriage for manly going through support groups or going looking for a therapy that you were really alone like did you feel comfortable sitting in a support group that was filled with women i think for me i think it was the difficult thing for me was was trying to trying to get my I was, one element i was trying to get my head around things of what was going on in the other element, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was that I wanted. I didn't know did I need social support? Did I need peer-to-peer support? Did I need professional help? I really didn't know. I kind of just found myself sitting in a dark room with my own thoughts, trying to gather a what had happened, trying to best to look after my wife and my my thirteen-year-old daughter that we have, and. I kind of sat there and just thought, I've never been through anything like this before. And me, I've, I'm one of these people who's got a winning mentality. I, I want to win at everything that I do. And if I don't, then I don't feel I've given it my best shot. And this was a situation that I was never going to win in. And, that's, and I think that's what scared me the most was the fact that nine times out of 10, if I do something in life where I don't win, I can fix it and I can right that wrong. This one was a situation that I couldn't fix. And that's what scared me the most was the fact that I was now dealing with the unknown and going into support groups. The two that I went to two different support groups that I sat in on. Um, and basically I just sat there on a zoom call like this and listened to what was said and to try and better understand it for myself. And I kind of came out of it with nothing more than what I'd gone in with. And that was, that was nothing to do with the group itself. That was the fact that I went into it, not knowing what I wanted out of it. And I think that's the hardest part is what did I actually come here looking for? Did I come to speak to people? Did I come to listen? Did I come to take on advice? That's what I couldn't get my head around. So then I never went to any more. And that was then when I looked at it and thought, right, do you know what it is? I need to do my own thing here. And I need to, I need to be able to write down in words currently how I'm feeling, what kind of support I felt that I got, which was very little. And I knew for a fine fact that when I put that down and put it out there on the internet, that I was going to come to a point where people were going to come to me and say, do you know what it is? I felt exactly the same. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's actually interesting that you said, you know, I'm always going for the, for the win, going for the, going for the W and look to fix it if I can't fix it. Miscarriage is something you can't fix. It's something as a guy, it's, it's gut-wrenching because we're programmed as men is how do we fix the situation? How do we fix that problem? Really, with miscarriage, you really can't. You don't know why it happens. You're completely caught off guard. You're all happy all of a sudden. Everything is going well, and boom, it hits you in the gut. 
Yeah. So. Absolutely. And that, and that's, and that was exactly how I felt. And I, and I think, like I say, that's what played with my emotions in my mental state more than anything was the fact that I was now in an unwinnable situation and I, I, I had no way of fixing it. How did you have the guts to post on LinkedIn? Cause I've seen more and more now men are starting to talk on LinkedIn about their personal stories. Oh, my wife gave birth. I'm going through fertility treatments or I suffered this loss. Like, how did you have the guts to do it? It was uh, it was challenging, and uh, I'm not going to lie. I wrote the post probably around about eight times and deleted it eight times, and then I thought, do you know what it is? I need to, I, I just need to do it. I need to do it because a, it's going to make me feel better. B, it's going to allow people to be vulnerable, and C, it's one of them platforms where <laughs> with LinkedIn, everything's business, business, business. And I wanted to just scale that back a little bit because for me, the big thing was, was miscarriage still affects business. You know, the big thing is, is that a lot of workplaces don't have a, a policy in there for miscarriage or stillbirth or anything like this. And this was one of the things where I looked at it and thought, you know what it is? We need to change this. We need to change this moving forward. Because for me, if you if you work in, you know, in a, somewhere where you're working with construction or heavy machinery or something along these lines, and you have an accident because your mind's not in the game, that's going to cost your company a hell of a lot more money than it would be for them to give you two weeks leave for, you know, some sort of grief, grief loss policy. And, uh, and that's one of the things that we've been working on with various different companies. We've done some work with some fantastic, huge organizations where we've said, you know, how can we look at this? How can we tailor make this issue to be an issue to no longer be an issue basically? And how do we get this subject out there to say, right guys, do you know what it is? You can talk about it because let's face it. It's not the kind of thing you go to a bar with and talk with the guys. You know, you don't go down the pub and say, oh, you know, we've just been through a miscarriage this week. They'd be thinking, oh my God, who invited this guy out? You know, and that's the, and that's the kind of thing that we are at. You know, and I want to be able to change that. I want people to be able to speak openly about it, you know, and that was the whole premise around miscarriage for men was, you know, if you, if you want to come to our site, you can come and be anonymous if you wish. If you don't feel comfortable sharing your details, that's absolutely fine. But on the flip side of that, if you do feel comfortable about sharing your details, you're more than welcome to come on and post as yourself. Because for me, I didn't want to hide behind a mask anymore. I wanted to be able to be out there and I wanted to say it. And that was the whole thing that came with the whole LinkedIn post. I kind of basically said, there's no point in me hiding behind a mask because that's not going to achieve what I'm trying to set out to achieve. I want them to be able to see, yes, this is Chris. Yes, he's vulnerable. Yes, he's made the step. And that's what I wanted to continue on. Very, very smart. It's actually interesting what you said about the whole workforce thing. Oh, is there a leave for grief for, for having a miscarriage of stillbirth? The answer is no. When I, when I suffered the miscarriage, my wife and I, you know, my wife was showing that she was 12 weeks pregnant. Baby was measuring eight weeks. I was working for a boss who happened to be, you know, a woman. She's like, you know, you're a guy, you're strong. You still have a quarter to hit. You have to make the calls. Like I, the job has to go on. There really was yep. no policy in place that said, you know, you could take all the time. you. Need. My wife's boss, on the other hand, was like, yeah, take all the time you need. So I think it's actually very crucial that whatever government, whatever company you work for, on, there has to be a policy that says if you go through a miscarriage, a stillbirth or any type of loss, even fertility treatments, you know, you should be able to take that time as needed. Oh, 100%. 100%. I agree with that. And the other thing as well is, is that I had an co interesting conversation with a guy called Jamie a couple of weeks back, some, one of the other guys who I'm going to be working with going forward. And we were saying that in, here in the UK, and I don't know how it is in America, but I'm guessing it's going to be the same, is that I find it astounding that we have 
it's mandatory for us to have a health and safety manager in place to deal with a health and safety workplace, yet we don't have anybody mandated for mental health at all. Yep. In the U.S., it's the same way. You know, there's a health and safety manager on every construction site, on every, you know, there's a health and safety manager even in the emergency medical system. Yep. But there is no mental health check-in. I think yeah, exactly. Part of the problem, though, is not just being a guy. I think part of the problem is there's a stigma behind mental health. Guys don't really want to sit around in the room and say, so how do you feel about that? You guys yep. need you know, other means to connect with one another, to share their stories. And I think that's something that, that, that you're creating in organizations that like you and, and, you know, men's helpline. This is what, this is what it's about. It's about creating oh, the space for guys to share their stories, share their experience and give help for one another, because without that you're suffering in silence. And that is oh, not yeah, good yeah. for anyone. I mean, I've heard stories of, of relationships ending people moving from their own place, turning to alcohol. I mean, the stories are endless. Bottom line, guys, if you're listening, do not suffer in silence. Reach out, share your story, speak about it. It's okay. The statistics, even though, yes, the statistics might look bleak. One in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage. One in 160 births end in a stillbirth. One in eight couples deal with infertility. And one in a thousand babies die of SIDS every year. So the statistics don't lie. The guy to your left, the guy to your right might have exactly gone through the same experience that you have. And it's nothing to be embarrassed about, something to be ashamed about. It's something, quite frankly, as much as I'm calling it, you know, it's a club. You don't necessarily want to be part of it, but it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a group of guys that you can actually relate to and talk about this. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. It's okay. It's okay to cry about it. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay to goof around about it and make dark humor jokes if you need to. Like whatever resource you need, it's totally fine. Yeah. And and we've said the same thing, you know, um, guys who guys who are coming onto our platform, um, you know, sometimes they'll reach out and just say, oh, hello, I just want to speak to somebody. And we've said, you know, if you don't feel comfortable sharing your story right off the bat, don't worry about it. About football, come and talk about boxing, come and talk about the weather. I don't care. As long as people are talking, I don't care what they're talking about, you know, as long as, because we'll get to the root cause at some point why they've came to the website, you know, and if that takes two weeks, two months, two years, it doesn't make a difference. As long as they know that they've got someone that they can speak to on a regular basis where people are going to respond to them, happy days. That's all I'm interested in because there's nothing more scary than sitting in a dark room with your own thoughts. That's the, that's the big thing. I've been there myself. I've done it. I know what it's like. And I was, you know, I was sitting up two, three o'clock in the morning thinking, how do I make this situation better? Knowing fine well in the back of my mind that I was never, ever going to make it better, ever. But my mindset was, you're a fighter, you're a winner. You need to win at this situation, even though I knew I couldn't. I physically could not win at it. But that was my mindset. And my winning goal from this was setting up Miscarriage for Men and allowing other people the platform to be able to come on and speak and not feel like we did, you know, uh, myself, everybody else who's gone through this knows what, what the scenario is like, you know, and it is, it's a, it's, it's, it's a horrific scenario to go through. And, you know, on top of all that, like I say, you know, we went through it in the pandemic. So we were right in the height of COVID when we went through it as well. Um, people's mental health were at an, was, was at an all time low, you know, and then you add this miscarriage element into it as well. It was just like, wow, you know, what else is going to hit us kind of thing. But it does get better. I mean, like I say, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a year down the line now and uh, a year and a bit down the line now. Um, does the pain ease? No, it doesn't. However, 
what it does do is it allows you to talk more openly about the situation that you're in. I mean, the big thing for me was, was me and my wife spoke about things quite early on. Um, we were probably three, four weeks into the miscarriage and we had a chat about, you know, what's next? What do we look, what do we do for the future? Do we, you know, do we try again? Do we not? Do we wait? You know, all these things were all going through our heads. And I'd say to my wife, look, we need to have this conversation at some point because it's eating me up inside and I need to get it out and I need to start talking about it. And as soon as I had that conversation, that allowed me to speak more freely about it. And then I told my wife what I was going to do with the miscarriage for men stuff. And, you know, I'd done a video blog on it and I'd done, uh, I wrote it down step by step what we'd gone through. And that, that in itself felt like the weight had lifted off my shoulders because it was as if everything had just come out. And I spoke from my heart. And like I say, you know, I posted it on my LinkedIn. And um, and then, of course, obviously on the website itself. And I've spoke to numerous different people. And then, of course, obviously, then we were invited by local news to do an interview with them. Um, so the word got out there pretty quick and it spread pretty fast. And I mean, this was mainstream news, you know, 6 p.m. slot on our on our news channel, uh, which was, you know, which was crazy. And I mean, you think the geographic of that, what we have, probably 6, 10 million people watching that potentially on the news, you know, and that was just like the messages that I got in after that was like, oh, my God, I kind of believe you've been so vulnerable on live TV and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah, but this is what it's about. It's about showing that you can actually be vulnerable and people won't, you know, won't, a lot of people sit behind it because they think, oh my God, my friends are going to, you know, pick on me and take the mick out of me and all this kind of stuff, which is not the case. In actual fact, like you said before, there's a real good chance you bring this out. Half your friends are going to come out the closet and say, well, actually, you know what it is? I've been through that, you know, but I've never spoke about it because we never get the opportunity to talk about it in that sense. And for me, I mean, I've got two best friends who, you know, I could ring up any time of the day or night and they'd pick the phone up and answer it. But I didn't feel that I could that I could physically make that call because I didn't know if they'd been through it before. I didn't want to put them in a vulnerable spot where they're like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. So I kind of just went, right, OK, then I need to do this myself. And that's where the talking to strangers element came into it. And I felt so much better for doing so. It's the way to go. And you got you to gotta talk about it because if you don't talk about it, you'll, you'll break down. I'm curious to know your thoughts. Do you think that COVID-19 and the hospitals, a lot of these are, are to blame for men's mental health issues when dealing with this because you're not allowed in the room, you can't visit, all these things. I mean, I, I understand that we're in a pandemic and people are afraid, but at the same time, how do you put aside mental health when your spouse is going through something so immensely scary, immensely, you know, trauma, and you yeah. can't even be in the room for it? I mean, how do you brush mental health aside even during during a pandemic to say a pandemic is more important than mental health? I mean, where where do you draw the line between mental health and pandemic? The thing is with it as well, though, I mean, there's so many different elements with it that could have, that could have worked around it. I get the hospitals were under pressure. I totally, totally get that. However, what was happening down in London was completely different to what was happening up in Newcastle. So people in London, they were actually allowed to go into the room with their partners. But up here in Newcastle, we were told no. People in Manchester were allowed to go in with their partners. People in Liverpool weren't. So you kind of, you know, why is it one rule for one hospital and it isn't for the other? Yet they're all under the same NHS system, which made no sense to me whatsoever. Not just that. We had we had regulations in place to deal with this. If you want to go and visit the hospital, you take a COVID test. If it's negative, great. So that we had stuff in place to be able to deal with that. And I, I'm, I'm totally on board with the fact that 
not only did it play with men's mental health, but also played with the women's mental health as well. Because my wife went into there and had to deal with this by herself. Now, how does that make her feel when she's then got to come back to the car and tell me, you know, I've lost my baby, which in fact she hadn't, you know, we'd had a miscarriage. But on the flip side of that, that's how she felt. She came back and had to tell me that in person. And I was just like, wow. You know, they could have done numerous different stuff. We live in a world of wonderful technology. They could have put me on FaceTime. You know, they could have done anything. You know, yes, it's not the type of news that you want to get over FaceTime, but I'd rather have been there on FaceTime with my wife while the doctor was telling us than not be there at all, which is what I felt like. And that walk from the maternity ward back to our car, that must have felt like the longest walk in the world for my wife, you know. And there was physically nothing I could do about that because I wasn't actually allowed into the hospital. You know, we had... We had a robust process in place, COVID testing. You test negative, you're allowed in the room. The, the stupidest thing about it for me was the fact that, and this is what really, really railed me, was the fact that the room which my wife was in, where she was told that our baby no longer had a heartbeat, a week later, I would have been allowed in that exact same room for another scan. How does, that even, make, how does that even make sense? It so, doesn't. That was the that was the thing that that was the thing that really really annoyed me about it, but you know I, I take nothing away from the NHS. They had a horrific time, you know, COVID. We seen what they dealt with, and I totally totally get it. But I think from a policy point of view, there's definitely learnings that they can take from this. Oh yeah, did any of this experience give you more triggers? Do you still have triggers when dealing with us? I know you built an incredible organization, and many many people are benefiting from it. But do you still have those triggers from this experience of a miscarriage that? that make you think about it or make you upset or things you don't really want to see? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I don't think that'll ever go away. I think that's something that'll always stay with people. I think uh, for me, like I said before, I think the grief comes in fits and starts. I think it's one of them where there'll be certain triggers that set you off. Um, I've never been in a, I've never been in the situation whereby, you know, one of my friends has put a message on Facebook and said, Oh, I'm pregnant looking forward to this. Or someone's reached out to me and said, Oh, I'm pregnant and felt, felt bad or guilt or anguish towards that you know I'm always very happy for people you know it, it it's part and parcel of life it happens and I think you know you mentioned you rattled the statistics off there before and it's not a nice club to be part of but it is a club you know and it's part and parcel of life and it does happen and there's always going to be triggers there's always going to be certain little things you know you know uh, expect the due date when that was due to come around you know knowing that you know August this year my son or daughter would have been one year old you know all these different things all kick in at certain points and I think it's one of them where I don't think that'll ever go away and I think there'll always be triggers there I think it's I think for now I think it's not so much as as a as an upset I think it's more of a what if and what could have been I think that's where I'm kind of at now is um like that mindset where you look at it and you think uh this is what could have been. And of course, obviously, as soon as you see them two blue lines on a pregnancy kit, that's it. Your whole world changes because you now start looking, do I need a bigger house? Do I need a bigger car? You know, who's it going to look like? You know, all this type of stuff starts going through your mind and the excitement kicks in from day one. And it's funny because the last podcast that I was on, I was asked about the whole 12 week myth, um, which is, which is always an interesting topic as well. Um, For me, the 12 week myth is a 12 week myth. I get why people don't want to talk about it before but i get why people do we we told our friends and family at nine weeks and that was because at nine weeks we had a private scan and during that private scan everything looked good baby was the right size heartbeat was there it was strong so we told our close friends and families at nine weeks what that then allowed us to do was that the fact when we 
when we started going through the miscarriage and we were in that uh, in that element of the the two week gracing period, if you will, what that then allowed me was I could then talk about it with people because they knew, you know, it wasn't a case that it was an unknown entity. They knew my wife was pregnant. Going into it where they don't know that they're pregnant, that's a whole different ball game, I think, because then you kind of like, oh, I didn't even know, you know, and. And I, and I think that's a challenge in itself. But for me, the 12 week myth one is exactly that. You know, people ask me this quite a lot. Do you believe in the 12 week myth? No, I don't. Because regardless of whether it's 12 weeks or not, what could happen could still happen. You know, we started at 14 weeks, you know, and by the two week grace period, we ended at 16 weeks. It was, it was regardless of that, we were past the 12 week part. So to say things that are going to go wrong after 12 weeks or before 12 weeks doesn't make a difference because it can happen at any point. It absolutely can. It's funny that you mentioned the, the pregnancy test, you know, the two stripes. The first thing I've seen that really is a trigger for me these days is everybody makes a big April Fool's joke now Yes, you know, on the COVID test. You know, you get two lines. Oh, you're positive for COVID. But, you know, two lines can mean get up pregnancy. I mean, it's just it's crazy. And the whole 12 week yeah. thing, you, you know, I understand why people why people do hide it for 12 weeks but it can happen at any time can happen at any point and obviously to couples who are getting pregnant after a miscarriage i understand the trauma of wanting to hide it from people and not talk about it because they did suffer a miscarriage and a loss but still yes the, it boils down to if we don't talk about these things and we can't and and, and you hide it i mean at some point the bubble is going to burst whether it's now, whether it's in six weeks from now, it's a family. Yes, life is full of challenges, ups and downs. And if a miscarriage happens, you know, it is a club, unfortunately, that, that people are part of. But the person to your left, the person to your right, it, it, it's, it's totally normal. But I think the, the, the stigma of hiding for 12 weeks behind a glass, you know, door, I mean, people could start showing earlier and walking around and talking about it. I mean, I think... I see guys talking all the time. Hey, my wife just got pregnant, you know, on these Facebook groups. I'm going to be a first time dad. You know, what, what, what am I to expect here? I mean, it's, it's excitement. I, I get that, but there's also that, that shyness aspect of wait, something can happen. I'm going to hide it, but the yes. bubble, the bubble will burst. Absolutely. And that was the thing for me. I think because the excitement's there and I mean, you don't know the backstories of people as well. You know, you could have somebody who's fell pregnant, who, it's been trying for you know six seven years and all of a sudden they fall pregnant and they want to tell the world because they've been trying for so long and i think for me like i like i mentioned before the hard thing for me was was that i never ever thought miscarriage would happen to me i never i never had that in my head once all for me it was just excitement 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 and i never thought for one minute that miscarriage would happen to me but it was one of them where yeah you you, you until it until it happens to you or until you have that scare you don't you don't think about it and i think that was the i think that was the difficult thing for me was getting my head around it was how how has this happened to me you know why or why has it happened to, to me more than anything um and of course you're never going to get them answers you know it's it's yeah it's part and parcel of life it happens you know like you say i think that also goes back to education i mean never never in our education do they ever say miscarriage is going to happen to you no and and we we've we've had that as well. We've had this discussion on a few podcasts that we've been on where we we learn about sex education in high school, but uh, never once during sex education and they're talking about pregnancies and stuff did they mention miscarriage ever. They never mention the downside of stuff that can happen during childbirth and pregnancy and everything else that comes with it. 
Yes. Never, never talked about it. I think education needs to change. I think we need to go back to the books and the drawing board how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. What would be your top 10 tips and takeaways to give other men going through this? Um, yeah, I mean, the big thing for me is the, that standout is um, definitely converse with your partner. I think that's 100% the, the end goal. Yes, it's going to be sad. Yes, it's going to be tears. But it needs to happen because you said before, you know, people have ended relationships, they've turned to drugs, they've turned to alcohol, they've turned to everything. And that's because everything's bottled up in here. And as blokes, we do that. As guys, we just naturally bottle things up because we think we're strong enough to deal with it. But the thing is, if you can talk to your partner, that's the most important conversation that you're going to have with anybody. You know, if you've got a good friends network, by all means, talk to them. If not, reach out to organizations like us, like yourself, whereby there will be people that will talk to you about it. Um, Don't bottle everything up and don't feel like you have to bottle it up in the workplace either because the workplace is going to be key. You're going to have to go back to work at some point and you're going to end up in a scenario whereby your head's not in the game. I was there. I went back to work uh, pretty quick after, after we went through it and I was sending emails out and I read the emails back that I'd sent and I was just like, that doesn't even make any sense. But that was because my head wasn't in the game. And I knew then that I needed to take some time off work. So I spoke to my boss and said, look, I need some time off. I'm going to be off for about a week, 10 days. Um, And they agreed and said, yeah, absolutely. Just let us know when you're going to be back, which was one of the good things that I had. But don't feel ashamed to tell your employer what you're going through and how you're feeling because they're never going to know. They're not mind readers. You know, yes, they might know that something's going on, but they're not mind readers. Um, The other big thing is, is like I say, you know, it's all about talking. That's the big thing for me. I didn't feel in a place to talk right at the start. However, haven't talked to people and spoke to people and been on numerous different calls and different charity calls and different podcasts. I've realized that talking about it's got me to the place where I'm at today. And I feel much more comfortable these days being able to talk about it and being able to talk about my experience and what I've went through and where we are now. And likewise, um, everyone's going to find their own their own method for grief. You know, you can't tell anyone how to grieve. They will all find their own find their own way. They'll all find their own way through it as well. What works what works for one person might not work for another, um, and that's one of the big things that I found. So for me, like I say, you know, exercising was a big was a big part for me. Um, it allowed me to focus. I could put my headphones in and just run, um, and that allowed a big focus for me. But that might not work for everybody. You know, the talking element might not work for everybody. But don't let anyone ever tell you how to grieve and how long to grieve for. You will grieve for as long as needs be. And like I say, you know, it comes back to it where there will be fits and starts. Even now, you know, things, certain triggers will will set me off and I start thinking about things again. And that for the rest of my life, because I'll always think, you know, what if? But uh, yeah, I mean, the big thing for me is, is first and foremost, when you feel comfortable to do so, talk to your partner, because that's the key conversations that you need to be having. Absolutely. Chris, this has been awesome. I appreciate you being guest. Just before we run, how can people reach you? What's the best way? Yeah. Is it miscarriageformen.com or what's the best way for people to reach you? Yeah, so we, we have the website, uh, www.miscarriageformen.com. And uh, we're also live on uh, social media platforms as well. So you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then, of course, obviously, if you want to know more or you want to speak to us, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Obviously, just search Chris Whitfield and you'll see me on there. Um, But, yeah, uh, people are more than welcome to come across and visit our platforms. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a guest again. And, guys, remember, you're not alone. We are here for you if, if you're going through this. The more we talk about it, 
the better you feel, the better you'll, the more you'll realize how you're not alone. Absolutely. So don't be hesitant to reach out. Thank you very much for having us on. My pleasure.